Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at at the top of the page for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. Also up in that off of that same top of the page menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in Chapter 29, The Awakening, with Section 3, The Coming of the Guests. And uh, we also will remember today's lesson, Lesson 305, There is a Peace that Christ Bestows on Us at the top of the hour. Pardon me. Um, well, let me ask you now, Lori, do you have one of your wonderful noetic openings for this call? I do have one. Yeah. It happens to be one of my very most favorite poems. Uh, it's from Rainer Maria Rilke, and it goes like this. God speaks to each of us as he makes us, then walks with us silently out of the night. These are the words we dimly hear. You, sent out beyond your recall, go to the limits of your longing. Embody me. Flare up like a flame and make big shadows I can move in. Let everything happen to you. Beauty and terror just keep going. No feeling is final. Don't let yourself lose me. Nearby is the country they call life. You will know it by its seriousness. Give me your hand. There is a peace that Christ bestows on us. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you. Loved it. Thank you, Thank you, Lori. My, my significant pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Lori. Very much. And, uh,
And I think we're doing that every morning. Okay. So let me see here for the list of readers or attended people with us this morning. I have uh, uh, with us and reading, I have Lori, Jennifer, Fran, and Karen. And with us and listening, I have Ida, Harrison, and that's that. And is there anyone else who's joined the call who would like to say just good morning or join the reading list? Good morning. Patricia here, available to read. Thank you. Great. Thank you, Patricia. All right. Well, I will go ahead and get us started then with uh, Chapter 29, The Awakening, Section 3, The Coming of the Guest. Why would you not perceive it as release from suffering to learn that you are free? Why would you not acclaim the truth instead of looking at it, looking on it as an enemy? Why does an easy path so clearly marked it is impossible to lose the way seem thorny, rough, and far too difficult for you to follow? Is it not because you see it as the road to hell instead of looking on it as a simple way without a sacrifice or any loss to find yourself in heaven and in God. Until you realize you give up nothing, until you understand there is no loss, you will have some regrets about the way that you have chosen. And you will not see the many gains your choice has offered you. Yet though you do not see them, they are there. Their cause has been affected and they must be present where their cause has entered in. Lori. Uh, chapter 29, The Awakening, Section 3, The Coming of the Guest. Why would you not perceive it as release from suffering to learn that you are free? Why would you not acclaim the truth instead of looking on it as an enemy? Why does an easy path so clearly marked it is impossible to lose the way seem thorny, rough, and far too difficult for you to follow? Is it not because you see is it not because you see it as the road to hell instead of looking on it as a simple way, without a sacrifice or any loss, to find yourself in heaven and in God? Until you realize you give up nothing, until you understand there is no loss, you will have some regrets about the way you have chosen, and you will not see the many gains your choice has offered you. Yet, though you do not see them, they are there. Their cause has been affected, and they must be present where their cause has entered in. Eleven, you have accepted healing's capital cause 
And so it must be that you are healed. And being healed, the power to heal must also now be yours. The miracle is not a separate thing which happens suddenly as an effect without a cause, nor is it in itself a cause. But where its cause is, it but where its cause is must it be. Yeah. Now is it cause, so not as yet perceived, and its effects are there, though not yet seen. Look inward now, and you will not behold the reason for regret, but cause indeed for glad rejoicing and for hope of peace. Thank you, Lori. And Jennifer. Eleven. You have accepted healing, capital C, cause. And so it must be you are healed. And being healed, the power to heal must also now be yours. The miracle is not a separate thing which happens suddenly as an effect without a cause, nor is it in itself a cause. But where its cause is must be. Now is it caused, though not as yet perceived. And its effects are there, though not yet seen. Look inward now, and you will not behold a reason for regret, but cause indeed for glad rejoicing and, and for hope Well, it has been hopeless to attempt to find the hope of peace upon a battleground. (laughs) It has been futile to demand escape from sin and pain of what was made to serve the function of retaining sin and pain. For pain and sin are one illusion as our hate and fear, attack and guilt, but one. Where there are causeless, their effects are gone. And love must come wherever they are not. Why are you not rejoicing? You are free of pain and sickness misery and loss and all effects of hatred and attack no more is pain your friend and guilt your god small small g no more is pain your friend and guilt your small g god and you should welcome the effects of love Thank you, Jennifer. And Fran. Twelve. It has been hopeless to attempt to find the hope of peace upon a battleground. It has been futile 
to demand escape from sin and pain of what was made to suffer the function of retaining sin and pain. For pain and sin are one illusion, as are hate and fear, attack and guilt, but one. Where they are causeless, their effects are gone, and love must come wherever they are not. Why are you not rejoicing? You are free of pain and sickness, misery and loss, and all effects of hatred and attack. No more is pain your friend and guilt your God, and you should welcome the effects of love. 13. Your guest has come. You ask him, and he came. You did not hear him enter, for you did not wholly welcome him, and that his gifts came with him. He has laid them at your feet and ask you now that you will look on them and take them for your own. He needs your help in giving them to all who walk apart, believing they are separate and alone. They will be healed when you accept your gifts, because your guests will welcome everyone whose feet have touched the holy ground whereon you stand and where his gifts for them are laid. Thank you, Bran and Karen. Thirteen. Your guest has come. You asked him and he came. You did not hear him enter, for you did not wholly welcome him. And yet his gifts came with him. He has laid them at your feet and asks you now that you will look on them and take them for your own. Excuse me. He needs your help in giving them to all who walk apart, believing they are separate and alone. They will be healed when you accept your gifts, because your guest will welcome everyone whose feet have touched the holy ground whereon you stand, and where his gifts for them are laid. 14. You do not see how much you now give, excuse me, you do not see how much you now can give because of everything you have received. Yet he who entered in but waits for you to come where you invited him to be. There is no other place where he can find his host, nor where his host can meet with him. And nowhere else his gifts of peace and joy and all the happiness his presence brings can be obtained. For they are where he is, who brought them with him that they might be yours. You cannot see your guest, but you can see his gifts he brought. And when you look on them, you will believe His presence must be there, for what you now can do could not be done without the love and grace His presence holds. Thank you, Karen. And Patricia? Fourteen. You do not 
see him, you now can give because of everything you have received. Yet he who enters, he who entered in but waits for you, come where you invited him to be. There is no other place where he can find his host, nor where his host can meet with him. And nowhere else his gifts of peace and joy and all the happiness his presence brings can be obtained. For they are where he is who brought them with him that they might be yours. You cannot see your guest, but you can see the gift he brought. And when you look upon them, you will believe his presence must be there. For what you now can do could not be done without the love and grace his presence holds. Fifteen. Such is the promise of the living God. His Son have life and every living thing be part of him and nothing else have life. What you have given life is not alive and symbolizes but your wish to be alive apart from life. Alive in death, with death perceived as life and living death. Confusion follows on confusion here. Far on confusion has this world been based, and there is nothing else it rests upon. Its basis does not change, although it seems to be in constant change. Yet, what is that except the state confusion really means? Yet, what is that except the state confusion really means? The ability to those who are confused is meaningless and shift and change become the law on which they predicate their lives. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. And is there a new reader for uh, 15 and 16? New reader for 15 and 16. 
give it a try. Okay. Thank you, Harrison. Such is the promise of the living God. His Son has life, and every living thing will be part of Him. Nothing else have life. What you have given whole unquote life is not alive and symbolizes but your wish to be alive apart from life. Alive in death with death perceived as life and living death. Confusion follows on confusion here. For confusion has this world been based, and there is nothing else it rests upon. Its basis does not change, although it seems to be in constant change. Yet, what is that except the state confusion really means? Stability to those who are confused is meaningless. And shift and change become the law in which they predicate their lives. Sixteen. The body does not change. It represents the larger dream that change is possible. To change is to attain a state unlike the one in which you found yourself before. There is no change in immortality. And heaven knows it not. Yet here on earth, it has a double purpose. For it can be made to teach opposing things. And they reflect the teacher who is teaching them. The body can appear to change with time with sickness or with health, and with the events that seem to alter it. Yet, this but means the mind remains unchanged in its belief of what the purpose of the body is. Thank you, Harrison. And is there a new reader for 16 and 17? This is Sandra. I can read. Thank you, Sandra. The body does not change. It represents the larger dream that change is possible. 
To change is to attain a state unlike the one in which you found yourself before. There is no change in immortality, and heaven knows it not. Yet here on earth it has a double purpose, for it can be made to teach opposite, uh, sorry, opposing things, and they reflect the teacher who is teaching them. The body can appear to change with time, with sickness, and with health, and with events that seem to alter it. Yet this but means the mind remains unchanged in, in its beliefs of what the purpose of the body is. 17. Sickness is a demand the body be a thing that it is not. Its nothingness is guaranteed that it cannot be sick. In your demand that it be more than this lies the idea of sickness. For it asks that God be less than all he really is. What then becomes of you? For it is you of whom the sacrifice is asked. For he is told that part of, his, part of him belongs to him no longer. He must sacrifice your little self, and in his sacrifice are you made more. And he is lessened by the loss of you. And what is gone from him becomes your God protecting you from being part of him. Capital H, him. Oh, thank you, Sandra. And, pardon me, is there another new reader for 17 and 18? Another new reader for... 17 and 18. Okay, back to you, Lori. Sickness is a demand the body be a thing that it is not. Its nothingness is guaranteed that it can not be sick. In your demand that it be more than this lies the idea of sickness. For it asks that God be less than all he really is. What then becomes of you? For it is of you. For it is you of whom the sacrifice is asked. For he is told that part of him belongs to him no longer. He must sacrifice yourself. And in his sacrifice are you made more. And he is lessened by the loss of you. And what has gone from him becomes your God, protecting you from being part of him. Hmm. 18. The body, that is asked <clears throat> the body that is asked to be a God will be attacked because its nothingness has not been recognized. And so it seems to be a thing with power in itself as something it can be perceived and thought to feel and act and hold you in its grasp as prisoner to itself. And it can fail to be what you demanded that it be. And you will hate it for its littleness, unmindful that the failure does not lie in that it is right now. And you will hate it for its littleness, unmindful that the failure does not lie 
in that it is not more than it should be, but only in your failure to perceive that it is nothing. Yet its nothingness is your salvation from which you would flee. Thank you, Lori. And Jennifer. 18. The body that is asked to be a god will be attacked because its nothingness has not not been recognized. And so it seems to be a thing with power in itself as something it can be perceived and thought to feel and act and hold you in its grasp as a prisoner to itself. And it can fail to be what you demanded that it be. And you will hate it for its littleness, unmindful, unmindful, that the failure does not lie and that it is not more than it should be but only in your failure failure to perceive that it is nothing. Yet its nothingness is your salvation from which you would flee. <laughs> 19. As quote-unquote something is the body asked to be God's enemy, replacing what he is with littleness and limit and despair. It is his loss you celebrate when you behold the body as a thing you love or look upon it as a thing you hate. For if he be the sum of everything, then what is not in him does not exist. And his completion is its nothingness. Your Savior is not dead, nor does he dwell in what was built as temple unto death. He lives in God, and it is this that makes him Savior unto you, and only this. His body's nothingness releases yours from sickness and from death. For what is yours cannot be more nor less than what is his. Thank you, Jennifer and Fran. 19. As quote-unquote something is the body asked to be God's enemy, replacing what he is with littleness and limit and despair. It is his loss you celebrate when you behold the body as a thing you love or look upon it as a thing you hate. For if he be the sum of everything, then what is not in him does not exist, and his completion is its nothingness. Your Savior is not dead, nor does he dwell in what was built as temple unto death. He lives in God, and it is this that makes him Savior unto you, and only this. His body's nothingness releases yours from sickness and from death. 
But what is yours cannot be more nor less than what is his. Thank you, Fran. And excuse me. Thank you, Fran. And thank you, everyone who read. Um, uh, this is the coming of the guest. And um, let me try a brief summary. Let's start with these questions again at the top. Why would you not perceive it as release from suffering to learn that you are free? Why would you not acclaim the truth instead of looking on it as an enemy? Why does an easy path so clearly marked it is impossible to lose the way seem thorny, rough, and far too difficult for you to follow? Is it not because you see it as the road to hell instead of looking on it as a simple way without a sacrifice or any loss to find yourself a simple way to find yourself in heaven and in God? Until you realize you give up nothing until you understand there is no loss, you will have some regrets about the way that you have chosen. And you will not see the many gains your choice has offered you, yet though you do not see them, they are there. Their cause has been affected, and they must be present where their cause has entered in. You have accepted healing's cause, and so it must be you are healed. A miracle is not a separate thing which happens suddenly as an effect without a cause, nor is it in itself a cause. But where its cause is, must it be. Look inward now, and you will not behold a reason for regret, but cause indeed for glad rejoicing and for hope of peace. It has been futile to demand escape from sin and pain of what was made to serve the function of retaining sin and pain. For pain and sin are one illusion, as are hate and fear, attack and guilt, but one. Why are you not rejoicing? You are free of pain and sickness, misery and loss, and all effects of hatred and attack. No more is pain your friend and guilt your God, and you should welcome the effects of love. Your guest has come, you asked him, and he came. He has laid his gifts at your feet and asked you now, that you will look on them and take them for your own. He needs your help in giving them to all who walk apart, believing they are separate and alone. They will be healed when you accept your gifts because your guests will welcome everyone 
whose feet have touched the holy ground whereon you stand, and where his gifts for them, for them, are laid. Okay, I might sneeze in a second. Okay, he who entered in but waits for you to come where you invited him to be. And nowhere else his gift of peace and joy and all the happiness his presence brings can be obtained. For they are where he is who brought them with him that they might be yours. You cannot see your guests, but you can see the gifts he brought. And when you look on them, you will believe his presence must be there. For what you now can do could not be done without the love and grace his presence holds. Such is the promise of the living God. His Son have life, and every living thing be part of him, and nothing else have life. What you have given so-called life is not alive and symbolizes but your wish to be alive apart from life, alive in death with death perceived as life and living death. Yet what is that except the state confusion really means? The body does not change. To change is to its state, excuse me, to change is to attain a state unlike the one in which you found yourself before. There is no change in immortality, and heaven knows change not. The body can appear to change with time, with sickness or with health, and with events that seem to alter it. Yet this but means the mind remains unchanged in its belief of what the purpose of the body is. Sickness is a demand the body be a thing that it is not. For it asks that God be less than all he really is. What then becomes of you, for it is you, of whom the sacrifice is asked. For God is told that part of him belongs to him no longer. He must sacrifice yourself, and in his sacrifice are you made more. And God is lessened by the loss of you. And what has gone from him becomes your God, protecting you from being part of him. A body that is asked to be a god will be attacked because its nothingness has not been recognized. As something, it can be perceived and thought to feel and act and hold you in its grasp as prisoner to itself. And it can fail to be what you demanded that it be. And you will hate it for its littleness unmindful that the failure does not lie and that it is not more than it should be, but only in your failure to perceive that it is nothing. Yet its nothingness is your salvation from which you would flee. 
Your Savior is not dead, nor does he dwell in what was built as temple unto death. He lives in God, and it is this that makes him Savior unto you, and only this. His body's nothingness releases yours from sickness and from death. For what is yours cannot be more nor less than what is his. And keep it short. So we're past the top of the hour. And Fran, we turn to you to lead us in the lesson for the day. I ask you all to give your attention to Fran as you lead us in lesson 305 and the thought for the day. Thank you, Fran. Well, thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. And the theme that we're on is, what is the second coming? And today's lesson is lesson 305. There is a peace that Christ bestows on us. So I shall read some from what is the second coming, and we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What is the second coming? The second coming is the one event in time which time itself cannot affect. For everyone who ever came to die, or yet will come, or who is present now, is equally released from what he made. In this equality is Christ restored as one identity, in which all sons of God acknowledge that they all are one. And God the Father smiles upon his Son, his one creation and his only joy. Pray that this second coming will be soon. But do not rest with that. It needs your eyes and ears and hands and feet. It needs your voice. And most of all, it needs your willingness. Let us rejoice that we can do God's will and join together in its holy light. Behold, the Son of God is one in us, and we can reach our Father's love through him. We'll go over to the lesson, which is absolutely beautiful. Lesson 305, there is a peace that Christ bestows on us. Who uses but Christ's vision finds a peace so deep and quiet, undisturbable and wholly changeless, that the world contains no counterpart. Comparisons are still before this peace, and all the world departs in silence as this peace envelops it and gently carries it to truth. No more to be the home of fear, for love has come and healed the world by giving it Christ's peace. Father, the peace of Christ is given us because it is your will that we be saved. Help us today but to accept your gift and judge it not. For it has come to us to save us from our judgment on ourselves. Lesson 305. There is a peace that Christ bestows on us. Five minutes.
Lesson 305. There is a peace that Christ bestows on us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Amen. Beautiful. I love that first line when um, who uses but Christ's vision finds a peace so deep and quiet, undisturbable and wholly changeless that the world contains no counterpart. Boy, is that the truth or what? We all know that one. <laughs> I'm complete. Oh, for sure. Thank you, Grant. Thanks. Thank you, Grant. And to remember there's only uh, one choice. If, you know, I can think of um, the, the steep in illusion or I can choose the truth. So I can't be in both. I have to, I have to um, put the switch on. And it's a wonderful thing to remember that the light's already on <laughs> in our lesson today. Thanks. Wait. We're still connected. Mm-hmm. I'm right here. Mm-hmm. It seems like we're disconnected, but I'm here. Okay. <laughs> All right. Oh, good morning, it's Mindy. I'm, I'm having a rough morning, as anyone who's on the workbook call knows. And I'm <clears throat> having a hard time getting to the place of forgiveness and asking. That is the key. The Christ vision is the key to peace, the key to healing. And it says everything can be forgiven, and um, you know, the Holy Spirit can do it through me. Right now, I'm having terrible back problems. I've tripped and fall a couple times and re-injured my ankle. My house is a horrible mess. The cats are stuck inside because it snowed. They all have their needs. Some of them are sick. Some of them are just needy. And, oh my God, it's just like my car won't start. <laughs> how do I forgive something? I mean, how can I not be hurt? Well, I was hurt. I was hurt. My body was hurt and it's not stopping. Healing <laughs> has to be preceded by forgiveness. How <laughs> how I can say nothing ever happened. You know, I know the Holy Spirit has to forgive through because I can't. And so how do I get to the place where I actually believe that I wasn't hurt? And how can I actually be willing to forgive? When it feels like even when I forgive, well, I'm still going to be in pain. I still can't do this. I still can't do that. I just don't know how to forgive. How can I say I wasn't hurt when the 
thing that feels like me, my body, is hurt, and it's been hurt for a long time, and it hasn't healed. How do I find peace? I just don't know how to do it, guys. It's just like it boggles my mind every time I try to release, you know, the yeah, but keep coming. So I just need some help with this one. Mindy, it's Sandra, and it sounds like you're really overwhelmed with body and that's so it's so challenging to be overwhelmed with body identity, and I think you're on the right track knowing that it's about forgiving yourself for this deep identity with material, the body, the forms. We all have it. And that's why we use the lessons in the book to keep applying. You know, how can you apply this lesson to what you're going through? How can you... Yeah. I don't know. (laughs) I know for myself, Mindy, I've had to do the lessons every 60 seconds, never mind one <laughs> because that's what it took for me to slowly change my belief system. And, and, and I would ask you to ask yourself a question. Has God singled you out and changed his mind about you? My ego wants to tell me that <laughs> I'm not capable of uh, receiving God's blessing. <laughs> well, you know that's a lie. No, I don't. Problem. <laughs> so you think, think you're special? You think you're special, and that God has singled you out to. To, to, because God's plan isn't going to work for you. You're, 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 it's not going to work for you. Yeah, I, I'm damaged goods. I'm the one person who can't accept the help, you know. It's just something in me that's just not going to let me accept it. And God says, your God, my God, has forgiven you for all those beliefs and has told you that they're, they're not true. And the only it thing like it's true. it feels like it's true. It will be an attempt I make to get follow guidance or, you know, to do lessons. I, I make commitments and then I feel this resistance. When I really do get an aha, you know, I have the moment of a breakthrough and then the resistance comes up again and the doors close and I mm-hmm. feel alone again. Mm-hmm. Hey, Patricia's jumping in because um, this is so strong. And uh, my experience, hon, is this isn't going to go away. So the wisdom in you that says this is says this thing, this is something that just is a forever. This isn't going to stop. Um, what I'm experiencing is that's a very true statement. And then the feedback you're getting is you're not alone in it. And we're reading, and you, your voice, 
speaks very clearly of the part that is that which is not the story that's here for something very courageous. So I want to tell you what um, I get called to do, which is give people something that will work immediately. And what is one thing that's more common after you've heard this ability to say your truth and know we're all having the same truth on, is to go and set a timer and get yourself a thermos of hot water. And what I hear is the minimum is every hour you're going to drink a swallow of that hot water that's done that when you swallow it, you feel a rush of heat down the sternum. And then you put it away. Now I hear feedback that permanently, like for a while, will switch instantly that survival body and let it be the water. It switches the sympathetic frozen state to a parasympathetic, the other side of our brain. 50% of the body is for the survival truth you just so courageously shared. We're all living it, honey. Every one of us. The other 50% of the body is this temple God made. That parasympathetic nervous system, that hot water will flip the switch. Now, to, to stop this story in real-time evidence, I hear what the wisdom of your sister said. I hear people say, Patricia, I had to set my timer for every 10 minutes. And then I kept it going, and that went, it went away. I wasn't controlled by the condition. I still had it but I was free. So every 10 minutes swallow of hot water to every hour. But then here's something I'm getting feedback because the challenges are increasing. I'm getting miracle feedback, I'll submit to you. When people say, I'm going to do this for 100 days, I'm going to carry a thermos of hot water and set a timer, and sometimes I'll automatically take a swallow until it's an automatic thing. (gasps) There have been physical healings, shocking things, when people unconditionally start saying, I'm going to give 100 days, three months, and just Mm -hmm. do it. So this is a very neutral action, that it's a call for tools, that combine this body's ability to have both sides now and allow the war and peace to collaborate in this mystery of being more water than anything else. So that's my story, and I can't help the poetic joy that my angels bring me, but this is a very black and white thing. 
drinking that hot water. Sometimes people make it hot something else, but water, just simple water. Thank you. Thank you, Reverend Pam. said to do my lesson every hour. So that's beautiful. Thank you. That is just wonderful. Because I'm still in this body. So doing something that is going to help the body go out of survival mode into a relaxed place, that's probably where I reach for coffee in the morning when I feel tense. Um, thank you so much. That's a very, very smooth uh, thing I can do. And thank you, Sandra. Um, thank you for acknowledging that we all, you know, I'm getting feedback. Can somebody mute? I need to be on speakerphone. Thank you. Um, now there's still feedback. Is there someone unmuted? Or is it my phone? It's no. me. Uh, means I'm not supposed to talk. <laughs> Mindy, with all respect, can we talk about this after 11 o'clock? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, yes, because I'm sure that it will um, be good for me to listen to everyone. And I just want to thank Sandra and Patricia. And I'm not the only one who goes through this. And this voice might be here forever, but there's a way to overcome it and get to the other side. Thank you. I'm complete. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Thank you, Patricia. I absolutely loved your share, and um, the water uh, thing is just such a great idea because, for me, water represents the truth. So thank you so much. This is Harris, and the lesson starts with Christ's vision. And uh, for me, Christ's vision is uh, really the foundation of my release from all that I seem to be experiencing in the world. Everything that seems that I seem to be experiencing comes from my body's senses, eyes, ears, um, touch. That's what drives my experience uh, in this world. And how do I escape that? How do I um, escape pain, suffering of any kind? Uh, when it's right there in my face. And this, those two words, Christ's vision, to me, 
is the key out of all my uh, pain, all my suffering. And today's reading talks about uh, how I can really escape what my body is showing me. He told tells me the body does not change in sixteen. The body represents the larger dream that change is possible. The change is to attain a state unlike the one in which you found yourself before. But there is no change in immortality and heaven knows it not. What this says to me is that if I can get back to myself as God created me, just roll back this whole experience of time and realize that I am and have always been as God created me. Says there is no change in immortality and heaven knows it not. I am and have always been this perfect creation. It's yet here on earth, it has a double purpose. For it can be made to teach opposing things. It's talking about the body. And they reflect the teacher who is teaching them. The body can appear to change with time, with sickness, or with health, and with the events that seem to alter it. Yet this but means the mind remains unchanged in belief, its belief of what the purpose of the body is. To me, it all boils down to what I see as the purpose of the party. Is the purpose to strive to make my body 
and the world I see a different place, a better place, as I've always thought about it? Or is the purpose of the body to help me realize the truth of who I am? That I am as God created me and nothing can change that. Doesn't matter what the seeming problems of the world may be. But needs it all, if I can clear away the debris, sickness, fear, attack being attacked or attacking, if I can clear away the debris and realize that beneath it all is the truth of who I am. God's perfect, loving, and love creation. My truth and yours too. I'm complete. Well, that thank was you great. so much, thank Harrison. You. Yeah, thank you so thank much, you, Harrison. So beautiful. Thank you. Hi, guys. Hi. morning this is Sandra again and I I just um one of the challenges for me this morning was the body never changes because I thought of course the body changes I was born a, a little teeny tiny baby and then it and then it got bigger and bigger and everything changes <laughs> but uh, that's because of me buying into this paradigm that's why it all changed um I, I think what I'm what I've read and what I'm being told is that there does not need to be sickness or even um, aging, but it's my thinking. It's it's buying into this paradigm of of dualism and the only way out. And I heard Patricia say this so clearly is that is to include it <laughs> is to include that it, it's there's going to be uh, in this life, where we live on this planet, there's going to be um, there's going to be pain. There's going to be suffering. But if I include it and forgive it, then it's not pain and suffering anymore. It's called evolution, growth, um, movement forward. 
And it's just a matter of changes in the way I see it, the way I think. And and not to take it personally. That that's what gets me so stuck is I take I well, I still take some things personally, but I catch myself when I do. Because as soon as I take it personally and think that I, that there's something special about my experience, <laughs> there's nothing special about my experience. This is it's the experience of living on this planet, and this planet is steeped in dualism and right and wrong and good and bad, and it's not including that. It's all part of the process. There is no right and wrong. It's just part of the process of growth evolution, um, and part of the process of this planet. The planet is also growing and evolving. And I have to, since I'm living on this planet, I have to surrender to that. And um, and if I choose to live on a, in another dimension or on another planet, I have to surrender to those laws. Um, and, and it's not about, it's about including them, that this is part of the experience. And and that's helped me so much to, you know, because I've always wanted to avoid pain, avoid suffering, avoid, 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 instead of embracing it, knowing that it's just part of the package. I'm complete and forgiving it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you sure are, Sandra. Thank you. Good morning, Karen. Um, I had some thoughts about the text reading and also the lesson. Uh, Two things jumped out in the lesson. Accepting God's gift, and I'm not my book is not in front of me, but this is these are the the key words that came to me. Accepting God's gift is mentioned in the lesson, but I have to give up judgment and comparison. So that took me right to the place where I thought about judgment and comparison are my ego mind. Um, To accept the infinite eternal peace, the deep peace, the instruction says go to the silence, go into the stillness. So when I go inside and and I feel empty and receptive, and I let go of my ego, my thinking, you know, compulsively judging and, and uh, telling me stories about things and evaluating things and labeling things. So when I step out of that and go into the peace, I tell myself I need to do nothing. I rest in God. And I open to the Holy Spirit and I open to the Christ self. And I am willing to accept the gift of the peace that can envelop me, the peace beyond words. I am, I am willing and open and receptive. And that's, I, and I want to extend it. I want to extend it to my children, and I want to extend it to the Middle East, and I want to extend it to nature. And, you know, I'm not really necessarily trying to be real busy and active, you know, visualizing sending it out or anything, but but instead, you know, it's like a it's like a quiet, silent intention that it flows through me to bless the world because that would be me being God's instrument. So to take that to the to the text reading, 
Um, and also, it's the second coming. It's me doing my part to be in the second coming. The second coming sounds like it's when everyone does it and everyone gets there. But in the meantime, the fifth paragraph of the reading, what is the second coming, says you have to do your part. It's your hands, your eyes, your ears, your actions, your thoughts, your feelings to offer to, the, to your brother to help him wake up and um, be restored to the true self. So going to the reading, getting to the reading, and it said in the reading, um, we have accepted healing's cause. So I meditated on that early this morning. What is healing's cause? What have I accepted as healing's cause? Healing's cause is my oneness with God and my oneness with creation and my oneness with my brother, of course, that there is no gap. There is no gap. Everything is God. That's healing's ultimate. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to be corrected if, Lori, you feel like, you know, I got something wrong. Um, even yesterday, I wondered if I got something wrong, the way that I was reading and interpreting. But um, healing's cause is, is the truth of the real world the truth that everything is God, that everything is perfect, that we are, there's no such thing as a space or a gap where God could not exist. That's the insanity of the ego's interpretation of things. How could there be a place where God is not? Right? And um, healing's cause is love. Healing's cause is the atonement. Healing's cause is our oneness, healing is because it's the truth of what we are. And then I was thinking of the body. What does it mean? The body is nothingness. That is a great relief. Yes, we each have a body, and we each have a, well, probably most of us have a car, right? But the car is not who we are. We just have one, right? And in this world, on this plane of the material world, we use a body, but the body has no agency, it has no autonomy, it doesn't feel, it doesn't think, it doesn't decide, it doesn't dictate anything unless I give it with my mind and my creative life force, unless I Im- imbue my body with those attributes because I have that creative potential. I have that um, potential to, say, to make a false world. Obviously, miscreation is the ego's, the ego's, um, you know, complete goal. But when I realize the body is nothingness, it's nothingness. It's, I am spirit, and I am one with all creation. I am something other than this world. I am something other than the material world. I am something other than the ego's thoughts and feelings, the ego's emotions, the ego's problems. It says the foundation of the ego's problems is confusion. It's just chaos and confusion. And when we get stuck in the identification with the falsehood of the ego world, you know, then we're identified with all these separate entities that we made in our ego's um, fake life, fake life, because it's like, Pretending to live 
in a state that's not alive. Our aliveness is in our true self, in this Holy Spirit consciousness, in our Christ self. And in our Christ self, the body is nothing. That's what it's saying. It's saying there is no space that God does not completely, completely envelop everything. So the body can't be a separate thing. Can't be a separate thing from God. That's why it's nothingness. I mean, I was going to share again yesterday. I was waiting, but um, finally gave up. But there was this thing about when something arises in my mind and I have an awareness, let's say it's a pain in my foot, I can give it my attention. And I can even give it my love, loving attention, you know, forgiveness. I give this over to the Holy Spirit. I let this go. But but there is a thing of holding it for a second in the light and offering it to the Holy Spirit. And the most amazing thing happens sometimes, and that is that it breaks into something else, something that needed healing, something that really needed forgiveness. You know, there's a reason why something is is crying out. It's blocked. The energy is blocked. And um, sometimes it doesn't happen right away. But when it happens, I mean, it's it's a most miraculous revelation of a sense. I don't know if that's probably not the right word because we can't talk about revelation. But it's like something is revealed through it. Um, so in a sense, it's like there is an acceptance for why things are happening. It's God's plan. It's not my plan. I don't have a plan. I don't want to have a plan. My ego had a million plans and boy, did it get me on the wrong road. It was a detour from God. So now I have no plan. Um, first I just have to learn to turn everything over. I have to learn to put everything on the altar, everything that shows up. And even when I get overwhelmed, and even when I get really identified with the chaos, you know, at a certain point I can turn that over and forgive myself and just accept that it's part of my awakening process. And that I have obstructions. The course in the lessons told me a couple days ago, there are things in my world that obstruct my awareness of Christ's presence. Those obstructions have to be offered to the Holy Spirit. And that, I think, is part of what all the resistance and the, and the struggle is about. But when we turn it over, we come right into the light. If we can go into the emptiness and not have an opinion about it and not have, you know, it should be this way instead of that mind, it's like open and surrendering it into God God knows what's best for me. I just open and surrender. I don't need to do anything. I rest in God. When I go there, something else happens. Something else happens. It's the, it's the peace of Christ. It's accepting the gift. Um, I hope that wasn't all over the place. And thank you for letting me share. Um, yesterday I did have this thing where something came up, and it was a fear thought. And or, you know, it was a, it was pointing me to the place where I was blocked. There was an obstruction that my world believed in. Oh, yeah. 
if I go to this uh, teacher, I'll lose something. You know, that's a very old one. You know, you can only have one path. You can't dig shallow wells. If you go to this teacher and that teacher, you could lose, blah, blah, blah. It's just a fear thought. It's just another way the ego is, like, manipulating me. But it's like settling in and, and, and recognizing the falsehood of it is so rich. It's such a gift. You just be able to uncover how ridiculous the ego mind is. You know, hopefully that will mean that I can rise into the Christ mind. Anyway, thank you. I'm confused. Absolutely wonderful. Oh, that was... Yes. <laughs> was. Thank you. Well, thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. That was so great. That was so great, Karen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Worth waiting for. Mm-hmm. Good morning. This is Jennifer. Um, I'm going to refer back to the text. Uh, This morning, this text, I was, I mean, really, I just cried. Uh, A good cry. Um, Lori's poem she read this morning, I cried. And um, the guest has come. And it's really true. Um, the guest is inside of me, and I need to go nowhere outside of myself but to return inside. In 14, uh, in our reading this morning, and nowhere else, his gifts of peace and joy and all the happiness his peace brings can be obtained nowhere else for they were where he is who brought them with him that they might be yours so yesterday I was having a really I was really tired and I um, uh, I felt very disconnected at one point from from the guest from that 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 part of me that connects to you and to Christ the Christ within me and I just um at one point I was walking my dog and I was like above all else I choose not addiction that's my um, old battlefield and one that is a bit a little haunting um, consciously and a little unconsciously the last few months and because of my practices like beautiful Patricia's presenting that beautiful practice of water which uh, I might give that a whirl but I have other tools too um that bring me back um to a state of neutrality where i can allow uh the battlefield to rise and 
by remaining, always coming back to the inside, to the guest. I can um, be released of that and be restored with peace and hope. Thank you, Patricia. And and, um, I like to write. Uh, I love to exercise. One thing I noticed in my separated mind, separated from the guest yesterday in moments, was um, that I, uh, oh gosh, I just, I've lost my train of thought. Maybe it's not that important. (laughs) Anyways, the guest is welcome in me in this moment. And I'm just so grateful for this call. I'm so wonderfully humbled by this read and remembering. And I'm reflecting on the guest many times in my life coming to me, but not perceived. And my prayer uh, in this moment is to embrace the, the guest in me and in you. And, and and as I shed tears, it's it's of joy. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. Excellent. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Jennifer. And thank you, everyone, who I don't stop and thank individually because I'm outside, I'm walking, and my phone is in a whole different place. So I can't unmute and mute. But thank you, Jennifer. I love hearing your shares. I love hearing about your growth and your process. I'm complete. Thank you. Yeah, you know, you can hardly be on these calls for any length of time before you realize the degree to which we lift each other up uh, in our thoughts. And I'm so grateful for that. Um, What a beautiful read today. Um, There is a peace that Christ bestows on us that holds everything within its embrace. And everything. It means everything. You know, this this reading... um, does that doesn't it it um it's like it reaches in for you for you and pulls you into it and opens something up really wide um in the mind in order to see uh the range of possibilities even to get a glimpse of the range of possibilities uh with this piece and 
as it so happens, we always have to start exactly where we are, you know? Um, where else could we start but exactly where we are? And then open to it. That's um, what I love about that first paragraph. You are free. You are you are free regardless of how you feel right now this very minute. You are free. And um, the recognition of you know I, I think sometimes that um, there's two ways to approach this course in miracles. One way is to say um, what he says is true. Let me um, apply that to my mind right now and just say, okay, that's how it is. And become really hard and tight and reject everything else that is not what he says it is. Another way is to say, well, I'm having this experience right now, but this is what he holds out to me. He holds out the fact that I belong to first cause, where cause is... And there's only one cause. You see how it's, it's capitalized here as we go along in this reading? The second paragraph, there's only one cause. There's only one source. There's only one endlessly emanating light and truth, and that's whatever you call God, your Father, your source, your authority, your cause. Because cause and effect are one, okay, here I am, I'm not having that experience, but he tells me cause and effect are one. What what need I do to reach what he's telling me is truth? And over and over and over again, the answer is the same. I have a mistaken idea, a mistaken belief, a mistaken concept, a mistaken limit, a mistaken smallness, a mistaken belief, concept, value. Whatever it is, I've got a mistaken thing in my mind through which I'm looking at the world, through which I'm looking at myself, through which I'm looking at this situation. It's as if I hold this belief up in front of my mind's eye and say, this is truth, where if I just take that thing that I'm holding in front of my, my mind's eye away, truth can be shown to me. Truth can be revealed to my mind as me, as an eternal effect of my Father, as is all creation. There's only one cause. And he, boy, you know, chapter 13, paragraph 87, I have it in my memory, and I, I have to return to it often. You who belong to first cause are more than merely guiltless. When I accept guiltlessness of all creation, there is no sin, because there is no sin, there's no guilt, there's no fear. If I can let that much sink into my mind, just that much, every filter of sin, guilt, and fear is a mistake. That I hold in front of my mind's eye. I will have an experience, he says. This much. You who belong to first cause are more than merely guiltless. When I accept my guiltlessness, I will feel like God is beside me, but not 
in my heart, in my mind, in my experience, in my cells, in my, in my wholeness, in my experience of life. When I accept guiltlessness, it'll feel like he's no longer beside me. He is in me. The guest has come. That holy instant. If, um, if you want to be really elevated on this idea, have a look at chapter 11, paragraph 60. This is the experience he holds out. And with this experience of God as my own internal harmony, the guest has come. Once this happens, it's, it's like all of a sudden I'm elevated. I'm in the, in the chapter, or paragraph 15. This is the promise of the living God. The living God, the living God, no longer a God of an idea, no longer a God of a concept, no God, no God that I have to paste onto my mind and say, this is truth, and if I'm not there, I'm wrong. Not like that. This living God, that his son have life and everything be part of him. Everything be part of him. This capital self that he holds out to us, that we all share, is is God's experience of life, okay? That is God's experience of life. And he invites me to experience life with him, as him, to see through his eyes, to understand that everything is as holy as it was created. He tells me that if I could see my brother's holiness, I could scarce keep from kneeling at his feet, and yet I won't. Yet I won't. I will look up and look at him and realize he is myself, that you're myself, that all of us are self together. And in spite of how I might be experiencing life, sometimes, I mean, sometimes I have, I have been in a very long extended dark night of the soul. And I knew in spite of how I was experiencing life, I could not be separated from myself. This is the guest. No matter what happens, no matter how it looks, no matter what's going on, there's always the guest. There is peace Christ bestows on us. Okay, so here I am in this situation, in this time, in this place, having this experience. It might be pain in my body. It might be a rupture in a relationship. It might be something I'm afraid of in the future. It might be any kind of thing. I give him my mistake. I give Holy Spirit my mistaken idea, my fear, my my tears, my weeping, my whatever it is I'm having the experience of in the moment. And what I do, it's as if he takes my mind and heart and sets them right back in the kingdom of heaven. And I'm restored to truth. And the thing about this is, you see, that it, here's I want to I want to go here a minute. Here's Helen. Imagine yourself. You're Helen, and you're hearing the voice of Christ in your mind, and you're taking down everything He tells you day after day after day. You know, and you've done this for like three years, and you keep doing this, and you get to the day when He says, He says to her. You have done miracles. 
You have done miracles, Helen. You've been a great teacher. You've helped people. You've done marvelous things with your mind and your heart. The only thing that's missing here is that it's been directed away from you. This is in chapter 16 in the Rewards of Teaching. The only thing has been directed away from you. Take all of that and realize that you've been teaching yourself and you've been learning what you are. I need you to know that you are love. You are love. You're not the personal self you think you are. You are love. And you have been love. And you might not know that you've been love, but you know what? You don't have to understand that. You don't have to understand that. Because of you, people have been restored to health. Because of you, people have realized their worth. Because of you, um, I've been able to use your personage to do wonderful things. So there must be something in you that's done these wonderful things, even though you don't understand it. This is the gift. This is the gift. This is the gift. And it's so much more than guiltlessness. It's um, the way God can use our... Well, here's another thing I need to say. The separation was not a loss of perfection. And in the holy instant where communication is restored between my mind and heart and God, I realized the separation was not a loss of perfection. The atonement principle tells me that. I realize it by direct experience that God never condemned me. How many of you have I've heard you say that you know this love of God? He's never condemned. But with the restored communication, I'm able to hear another voice and I'm able to see another way. And the more I let that voice direct me and the more I let that vision show me what's there to be seen and loved, um, the more I have an experience of being the kingdom. And that awareness even though I don't understand it, um, is a natural way of being and uh, it directs and it does and it it uh, becomes more and more and more inclusive. I want to cite the experience of Thomas Merton. You know, he dedicated his life to, to following God, to letting God direct him to not understanding necessarily, but having the desire to be in sync with God for years and years and years and years. 30 years, I think it was, he was following the way. Before he walked onto the corner of 5th and 4th and Walnut, 4th and Walnut, Louisville, and said, I love all these people. You know, the love of God does everything as I let the guests direct me and show me what to see. 
but I don't necessarily always have an experience of, I love you, you know, I, I just want to fall in love with you. But there's a quiet knowing. Um, there's a quiet knowing, just like Thomas Burton. I love all these people. I didn't know. I didn't know that the living water flowed through me like this, that I can experience it constantly. Waking up is, I don't think, in my experience, I don't think waking up is so much an event as it is a beautiful unfolding. As one day, one moment, one event, one forgiveness, one circumstance, one situation, seen differently, melt into another over the course of of uh, seemingly the passing of time. Um, this is the experience of of unity invites us to and to um, not accept the body as a limit in the universal communication uh, that's possible because the separation wasn't a loss of perfection, it was simply a loss of communication. With communication restored, um, there is an ever-unfolding um, life that, in my experience, seems richer and richer all the time. And I still look forward to that moment um, when I can sustain in awareness this massive love. I've only had a few a few times and <laughs> and they've been like, oh man, this is unsustainable with life. But um, there's so much more. There's just so much more that he wants me to realize is possible when I leave go of the idea that the body is a limit on my universal communication. I don't have to uh, be limited by that. Only when I think I'm a personal self. When I can remember everything and everyone and all creation is part of me, I'll realize what he wants me to understand about creation. You know, he says, what you project you are. And if I can project love, um, I'm starting to understand the law of creation. And um, and that's just a moment-to-moment experience, whatever situation I'm in, you know. If I'm in this situation, it's intended I be there, and it's intended that I let love direct me in that situation. That's just the way uh, life is, I think, an ever-unfolding set of circumstances that allows God to uh, move. And to the degree that I can allow that is the same degree that I'll experience the peace of Christ. That's how I need to end this. I'm complete. Beautiful, Cher. Thank you. Wow. That was great, Robbie. Thank you. Thank you so much for all that. was magnificent. Thank you, Lori.
Oh, thank you, Lori. And yeah, this is this is Lemoyne, and uh, I. Tempted to just bow out and leave uh, Laurie's share as the close, but um, I want to speak a little bit of this thing of uh, of why why is why is the term today for the Holy Spirit or Christ or God? Yeah, the triune God. Why, why is, why is it called gaps when it's everything, right? And and I think this is this is a very simple way of asking us just to welcome what is. And and that's really all, you know the. That's all it is. It doesn't mean it's something outside that we have to wait for. As it says, it's already there. But, you know, the, your guest has come. Right? And it, it is our welcome that's really required to have it or to allow it, <laughs> the fullness. And just a little bit about this thing, this thing about the body and, and calling it nothing. I, I think this is a fuller explanation of where he says pretty early in the text, I think it's, let not your mind stray to effect. The belief that we you know, the inseparation, it becomes, I want to say us against the world, but it's not us. It's just me against the world, right? And separation. And the body is the symbol of that. And then, you know, if we believe life comes from the body, then... It, we have let our mind straight to effect, I'll just say it that way. And the mind is cause. The, the body can't really change. It does, like yesterday's lesson says, perception is a mirror, not a fact. And it, it, we believe that what is effect is cause, everything is upside down, and confusion results, because the real cause is still there. And But if the mind, it's like where it says, the mind that thinks it is a body is sick indeed, that this is the basis of the sickness, 
It's like the only thing that can change. This is a realization. I came to before the course and has like probably the beginning of a glimmer of the of readiness and her <laughs> willingness to take this kind of thing on is is the realization the only thing I really can change is my mind, my own mind. And and the change that it, this course continually occur, encourages us to is the understanding, <laughs> the the peace that comes from welcoming that in terms of cause, what we have access to actual capital C cause is at the level of mind or being. You know, we can change our mind and have our state of being change as a result. And that that is, that is what's on offer here. And that what is, for me anyway, what has always been the hallmark is peace. Yeah, that they have to want it, but not like want it in in the sense of only recognizing its loss. As he says, there is no loss. And of course, of love, there is no loss, but only gain. And if you don't feel any of that, well, then there's a lot of gain to be had. <laughs> In, in centering peace of mind and desiring that and letting the letting go of the misperception that demands that um, we have to satisfy all these other things before we can be at peace. Pieces are birthright, and it is a condition for the kingdom. And it's not like the kingdom needs it, but we need it to recognize where we actually live in first cause as an essential part of it, and. We can stay there as long as, we, as long as we can remember, you know, that all that being is one, and the difference comes in relationship, and that the difference is only variability, only and ever always just variability within wholeness, and return the mind to the wholeness. And, you know, there may be a seeming demand there, but what can be truly offered and given is, does come from peace, whatever the form that it may take. And so then the body can be a vehicle for expressing this cause rather than being, a, as he says, asked to be a god if you... We believe we're at the effect of our body. We have made the body a God that has power over us. And 
We've just lost sight of what he calls here the guest, which we really have to welcome to see the gifts that have been brought and laid before us. Anyway, I'm complete with that. And I would like to go ahead and end the recording here, but we won't end the call. We'll stay on well, at least through the top of the hour. So I thank you all for being thank here. Thank you, Lemoyne. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks, Lemoyne. Variability and wholeness is a perfect keeper. Keeper, thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Lemoyne. We love to hear you. Thank <laughs> you for your recap. Very rich. Thank you, thank you, Lemoyne. Well. I have to say, it's not, not really me, but just looking at the guest. Why guest? <laughs> he just said all... Thank you. The one requirement is that we make what is the truth welcome, I think. <laughs> anyway, um, thank you all. Everyone has been here reading, listening, sharing, and... I'll end the recording, but not the call. Thanks again.